A votre santé! A votre santé to you, mon ami. Thank you, Danny O'Dwyer, sitting across from me in this actual room. I'm, I know. It's a, uh, Rob Zachney's here. What? <laughs> <laughs> that, of course, is Cheers in French. Uh, cheers and welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. Uh, we are all down here uh, in honor of... Video games? Yeah, E3's uh, on, the Electronic Entertainment Expo. And we all work slash worked in video games in some capacity. So, yeah. Do we still work in video games, Drew? I, I don't know. I don't know. We're doing a Formula One podcast, so probably not. <laughs> right, yeah. You're video games adjacent. Yeah. Yeah. Or supplementary. Uh, but uh, we're, we're double, double cheersing in French because uh, of the Canadian Grand Prix, which just happened. The yes. French Grand Prix, which is upcoming. And because of the French beers we just drank, you guys. Oh my God, I can't believe it happened. Uh, yeah. All the way from the Côte d'Azur. I know. The Blue Coast. In, into our mouths. Yeah. We uh, drank Daniel Ricardo's chewy ambrosia. <laughs> we did not do a chewy. We didn't. With the Blue Coast. We can still do it. That's for the next patron tier. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, so we, we just shot a video of us uh, drinking um, Blue Coast's beer. Uh, for, four different for, flavors. Four different <clears throat> flavors. <clears throat> and, and a special appearance by uh, a fifth mystery flavor. Yeah, it's a can. It's a, it was an energy drink from some sort of bicycle company, mm. I think, is what we figured out. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but that video will go up uh, for patrons if you want to see our first impressions. But, like, first of all... Thank you for everyone for following this great odyssey with us uh, ever since we first d- discovered this strange beer label from Daniel Ricardo, Jensen Button, David Coulthard's wife, a few other people. A bunch of sporting people. Uh, Noah Wiley, of course. Of course. VR. Absolutely. Who, who? So, somehow involved. The hero of falling skies. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, and thank you also to Blue Coast, who actually <laughs> went back and forth with me over email uh, for weeks. Yes. Uh, trying to get it to us. Um, and I think we can conclusively say it's pretty good. It's good. It's good. It's all four good of them were good. We all had different favorites, but uh, yeah. I can't believe that's all I'm ever going to have. I know. <laughs> I mean, Drew's got a fridge full there's, of it, right? Yeah, there's still more in the fridge. <laughs> all right, well then. But that was our only can of rich energy. Uh, thank oh, you to, boo-hoo. To, uh, to Kevin from Indianapolis yes. for swiping that for us. Appreciate it, buddy. Um, you know what? What? That tastes like an energy drink, you guys. It, yeah, it tastes exact. Imagine what you think that might taste like, and you're pretty close. Yeah. Well, it's the thing is, I think you're being misled by the fact that it has <laughs> the uh, terroir of classic <laughs> energy drinks, being from Austria. Okay. So what I think y'all are recognizing here is that what you say is a generic flavor, I would say is just the iconic flavor of the land from where it was brewed? So you're saying... Can we say brewed? You're, what you're basically saying is that it's, in a roundabout way, is that it's kind of like a knockoff Red Bull? It's like a champagne, you know, it's from a region in France. Okay. Yeah, I would say it just recalls mountain springs in the way Red Bull does. Okay. And, uh, you know, crisp, fresh alpine breezes. Uh, taurine rain showers. Taurine rain showers, uh, grassy meadows, sugar. Oh, lots of sugar. And secrets still buried, never to be known. Uh, Rob gave us some really incredible tasting notes uh, for, for the rich energy drink yeah. and for the beer as well. Uh, so patrons can look forward to that video this month, along with uh, the Drive to Survive 
episode that we recorded a little while ago. Awesome. That's, that's going up cool. uh, this month as well. Uh, that'll, that'll be the first three episodes of the Netflix series, um, our, our review thereof. Awesome, yeah. And uh, there'll be a, a, a new poll up once E3 is done and dusted for the next episode of F1 Game History. Yeah, so if you want to sign up for that, it's over at, uh, at patreon.com slash shiftf1. Yep. Also, we've updated our uh, patron goal. Oh, we have. If we get to 1,000, pa- <laughs> our, our, what was the beer one? 250? Yeah, it was something. If we got the two fifty. Way we lower the beer. than what we, we got. The beer, everyone. Yeah. No, it was five hundred. Was it five hundred? I think it was five hundred. Okay. We got the beer. One thousand. We are racing together on the same track in actual cars. Okay, that sounds okay. That sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it, also, it also sounds expensive, so that's why it's a thousand. Right. Okay. Uh, but. Also, just multiply anything you think it'll cost by three, because that's what happened with the beer. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so yeah. Patreon.com slash shift that one, please. <laughs> yeah, check it out. That'll be, that'll be cool, for sure. Uh, should we get... Sorry, go on. Should we get to the race? I think we should get to the race. There's a lot to... There's a lot here. Yeah. There was a lot to talk about before a certain incident happened, but with that incident, we could, we could talk about this one all night long. Just going to say, uh, so it was during E3. I didn't watch the race live. We I were actually hanging out while the race was happening. And I was like warning you, like, don't check your Twitter. Yeah. Like, people are... Like, Hey, thank you, like Shift F1 listeners, like for not spoiling it in, in anyone's mentions. That was yes. actually very cool. People were talking around what happened, but nobody straight up said, "Like, can you believe X?" Which is yeah. awesome. That's that's very rare. Uh, but I knew something happened, and eventually, like my parents wanted to talk because what? they were like, "We got yeah," because well, because I grew up watching F1 with mm. them. So when we talked, uh, as we discussed the race. My parents got in a fight. <laughs> oh, wow. Because they were on opposite sides of the issue, and in my family, arguments escalate. And so what began as a sort of, uh, you know, clash of viewpoints, a difference in perspective, turned into a referen- referendum on uh, what do you think is in the soul of Sebastian Vettel? <laughs> it turns out uh, my mother has very strong beliefs about that, and uh, my dad thinks that what is more important is the state of Formula One soul. Okay. Wow. Uh, a, a better uh, foreshadowing, I don't think there could be. Yeah. Uh, practice? <laughs> God, who can even remember? Um, I had to go back and watch all, everything that happened. Uh, it, it feels like forever ago that Hamilton hit uh, the wall in free practice, too. Mm. Um, which The wall wall? Not the, the wall. Okay. A wall. Although somebody did hit the weed. It, it, was, not, it was not a... A virgin wall this week. No, it, it, certainly it did not. get struck. Uh, free practice three, Stroll got a big cloud at the back of his car. Uh, his engineer said it was a hydraulic leak, which actually bears a little bit. Um, uh, that and the Hamilton uh, hitting the wall kind of. It leads to. They didn't show this too much in the broadcast, but like Mercedes was apparently feverishly fixing Hamilton's car because they discovered a hydraulic leak the morning of the race. Right. So they were, they, as soon as they got out of Park Ferme, where you're not allowed to work on the car, they were like trying to find the hydraulic leak. And he even, as he lined up, uh, he was having some weird stuff going on, like his brake pedal wasn't working right. Or right. They basically said, we weren't sure that he was even going to start the race. Uh, yeah. Does this, I'm, I don't want to foreshadow too much, but does this come back into the narrative in Park Ferme after the race? I don't I, think so. I, I saw something about during scrutineering 
but there was a one part that they oh. couldn't guarantee was the same part. Yes, actually, was yes. Was that the hydraulics? So, uh, I think uh, Toby Gruner, who's from Automoto Unsport. <laughs> what country is that from, Drew? Uh, I can't say. <laughs> okay. Um, but he was saying that apparently Mercedes switched a part yeah. uh, for, to fix this hydraulic leak, which I don't think you're allowed to do. Yeah. But the FIA couldn't determine that it was functionally different. Right. So they escaped the penalty, basically. Yeah. Uh, that's what that's what Toby Bruner was saying. Huh, right. uh, anyway, qualifying, um, Raikkonen shockingly was beat by his teammate, yeah. Antonio Giovinazzi, uh, and knocked out in Q1, which I think is the first time this has happened this year. That yeah, Giovinazzi poor showing. Yeah. Um, and uh, both racing points go out in Q1, which is kind of a bummer. Uh, Q2, <clears throat> Red Bull is splitting their strategies. Verstappen goes out on medium tires to try to because, as we know, the tires you you get to Q3 on are the ones you start the race with. Mm. So if Verstappen can set a fast time on the medium tires here, get to Q3, he can start on the medium tires, which is a preferential strategy. And, uh, and it's something that the they're always doing, like that's Red Bull's like modus operandi at the moment, right? Is to try and outsmart people. We're not gonna outpace people, let's try and outsmart them in some way. Yeah, so he tries on the medium tires, doesn't set a super fast lap, uh, so has to come back in, switch onto softs, and do another lap. As he's doing that, Magnuson hits the wall. Right. Wall of champions. I know, right? He was pushing hard. Uh, and not just that. So he was desperately uh, trying to, like, and in a way, he succeeded in safeguarding his position because he was in P10. And <laughs> This is the, like, this oh, is the alternative Michael Schumacher in Monaco. Yeah, just fuck up real bad. <laughs> uh, but behind him, so it, it really screwed uh, Verstappen, uh, but also behind Magnussen, uh, Grosjean, Grosjean was again. on a real, real flyer, Second, apparently. Remember last week, was it? Uh, two weeks ago? No, Monaco, it was uh, Verstappen got on his way. Yeah, uh, on his on his round on mm-hmm. in Q two, and yep. he got he got messed yeah. up that time. So uh, did you hear his radio? He was uh, like, like, like I don't like, believe oh, it. Oh, was this something. just a stream of cursing? No, no well, it was uh, he. Uh, Kevin crashes, and Grosjean's right behind him, and Grosjean goes, "Kev, Kev." Amazing. He was like right behind him. Right, they were yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it it is an easy mistake to make. Uh, there's a reason that it's the called, like... The best have made it, in fact. Yeah, the, mm. yes, exactly. Like, if you are going for it on the edge and, like, carrying all the speed down that straight you need to be carrying, uh, occasionally that's going to happen. On the other hand, it is yet another moment that Kevin Magnuson fails to endear himself to people. Yeah. Which yeah. will continue into the race. Correct, yeah. Not yeah. Grosjean, uh, not Verstappen, who uh, is prevented from setting that fast lap and gets knocked out mm. uh, thusly. Dude, um, I, I want to. I want. There might be a technicality on this crash. I want to say as well. Did he technically crash into the wall of champions? Because he because he hit it, and that's what threw him off. But he plowed into that inside I wall. I think it counts. Yeah, I think the wall of champions caused the crash. Okay. Yeah, like if you bounce off the wall of champions and finish against the other <laughs> wall, that's still a wall of champions incident. Right. Like the, the you know what matters is whether you made your mark. On okay. that streak of like torn. Sign your signature. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, <laughs> Which he very much the did. The commentators are pointing out that Magnuson did win a championship in another category. So right. It does count. Didn't they? I mean, also... I'm sure Pastor Maldonado won a fucking do- hot dog eating contest at some <laughs> stage in his life. <laughs> I think, I want to say also, Brundle was commenting that it looked like the reason the accident became so dramatic 
was that he was lighting up the tires as he was uh, whipsawing across the track. Oh, so really? He was like losing control of the car, but he just stayed on it hmm. uh, through the accident. So, uh, which would explain why that car just spun around and like hit like an axe. Same thing Grosjean did in Spain when he yeah. lost it. He he lit up the tires as well and got yeah. in everyone's way. Yeah, uh, Magnussen or uh, yes, Magnussen had to use the spare chassis uh, that uh, Haas brought with them and right. the new gearbox. So he'll start from the pit lane. Uh, spare but, car, spare car. <laughs> but, but we go to Q3. Uh, speaking of spins, Botas spins. And I don't know how yeah. he avoids hitting that this wall. It's beautiful. But it's, it is really close. They teach this one in Finnish driving school. It was, yeah, it was a rally move yeah. for sure. He, uh, he, he locked the front brakes to stop it, apparently. Brundle was saying on the, okay. on the commentary. He locked the front brakes to, to reduce the spin, basically, just to keep it in, in line. It's a yeah. tight part. Of it. That's one of the tightest parts parts of that whole track. No, it's and it's a on a curve, move. so it's incredible. He managed yeah. to do it. Yeah, he uh, doesn't do so hot in Q three. Botas yeah. gets sixth place at the end of the day. Mm. Um, Ricardo, though, fourth place, right uh, ahead of not only Botas but a Red Bull <laughs> uh, of Pierre Gasly, the yeah. only Red Bull to take part in Q three, but on pole one Sebastian Vettel. There everyone. you go, a Ferrari, Forza. Yeah. So, I mean, the word has been that Ferrari's power unit has been the best on the track. Right. Like, like, just if F1 were just about straight line speed, Ferrari would be having a better season. Hmm. Uh, it does surprise me that that makes such a difference here. Like, this is a fast track. Like, this is one of the fastest on the circuit. Uh, the Sector 3 run down the, down the dogleg straight hmm. is an extremely fast part of the F1 calendar. And so that straight line speed advantage is going to be huge here. I am surprised we didn't see that advantage play a larger role in China, China. if it's yeah. so decisive. So I am wondering to what degree did Ferrari bring a different different setup to this race uh, <laughs> versus, uh, we hear that, right? Do we, yeah. yeah. Do we think any of, uh, I hope that some of that environmental audio came through of, what sounds a, like a siren going by, and then a cacophony of dogs <laughs> trying to impersonate the siren. There's, there's people at their windows uh, downstairs, like outside. Uh, but there's so many dogs. I, Sorry, a lot of little yappy dogs. Yeah. Um, but I'm wondering, to what degree did Ferrari bring a better package to this race yeah. versus, for whatever reason, the aero elements that have been causing them problems throughout this year? just didn't weigh on them the way they might at, say, Shanghai. Right. That's yeah. that's the thing I wonder about. Does this represent a new lease on life for the 2019 Ferrari? Or is this just a case where, for whatever reason, they're, they're, what their car is good at and what it is bad at ended up giving them a really good, good package for this specific race? Because yeah. going into this race, they were basically like, we, have, we are out of ideas. That could have been sandbagging, probably. I don't know. Yeah, the, the, the only, like, the major difference between, like, Shanghai and, and Montreal is just the amount of, like, high-speed corners that are in Shanghai against yeah. a lot of tough braking zones here. Um, so whether or not that, that played a part, like, it, it's, it's unknowable, right? We'll know another couple of races down the road where that problem yeah. was. Both Ferraris did well, though. Ferrari, yeah. uh, or Vettel on pole, Hamilton in second, Leclerc in third. Uh, then we got Ricardo, Gasly, Botas. Uh, and behind him in seventh place is Hulkenberg, Norris, Verstappen, uh, who moves up 
some spots after Signs gets a three-place grid penalty for impeding. I didn't see who he impeded, mm -hmm. but he had qualified uh, uh, in eighth. And Massive shame. Knocked down, yeah. Um, but Norris takes eighth, and then Verstappen and Kafia rounds out the top ten. Then we have Signs, Giovinazzi, Albon, Grosjean, Perez in 15th. Then Raikkonen, Stroll, Russell, Kubica, and Magnussen starting from the pits. 12th, not a bad showing for Giovinazzi. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, nicely done. Uh, okay. Do you want to take us through the start, Danny? Sure. I mean, you know, I beat the same drum every week. Who are we looking at as we're going into the first couple of turns? Um, I feel like this, this little, um, I don't know, three-turn melange you get at the end of that small start-finish straight is we've seen so many incidents there during the race starts of races for sure like it's a notorious like crunch spot um and i was a little bit surprised that everyone got through relatively clean um everyone got a good start vettel um vettel's in a spot you're in a bad spot if you if you get wheel spin on that because he's on the outside um, uh, Hamilton would be on the inside track, I believe, in second place. Am I thinking that right? Yeah, yeah. Vettel's on the outside, on the right side of the track, I believe. Um, uh, as it happens, all three of the, the, the front three get a good uh, start. Everyone sort of parades the, the way around those first couple of corners. Um, the only bit of contact that I saw was, I believe it was Lando Norris, lost a bit of his front wing off. I it's, think it was, it's Albon. Oh, it's yeah. Albon. Yeah. It's Giovinazzi? Yeah, he gets squeezed by Perez and Giovinazzi. Yeah. And they just clip his front wing. It was off. like Verstappen against with the Ferraris in Shanghai. He kind of just didn't. He couldn't go anywhere. Right. And uh, Grosjean has to bail off track uh, to avoid right. it. So the that could have been a lot worse. It could have. Yeah. It could have been uh, uh, real bad. And in, in fact, he gets sort of showered by uh, carbon fiber, and mm. a piece wedges in like between his cockpit and the the halo, and he has to like flip it out with his hand. Who Grosjean? Grosjean? Grosjean does. Really? Yeah. Wow! I didn't notice that part. And there is, there is uh, um, um, uh, further in the lap, uh, a, a great battle between uh, Norris and Verstappen, which is great because we were just talking last episode that like Norris and Verstappen fight all the time in their sim racing league. Right. And then Norris is like, yeah, but I never really get to fight him on track. So this time we got to see that. Uh, and then crucially, Bottas had a bad start, like yet another sort of mediocre start right. for Bottas. And... Uh, I really wouldn't have thought they would struggle so much behind a Red Bull, uh, not a Red Bull, a uh, Renault. Uh, yeah. But once, like, Boda, something was up with Boda. It just felt like his setup was not working for him yeah. at all this weekend. But he had a bad start, fell behind Hulkenberg on lap one, and I would have expected that that would, situation would not have lasted long. Mm. Uh, but he could not do anything behind uh, Hulkenberg. Uh, I really thought the minute they would have activated DRS, that would have been it. I mean, oh, yeah. overtaking for both Mercedes. Granted, Hamilton's car was definitely seemed to be he seemed to be happier in it, but overtaking for both Mercedes was the the problem of the day. Right? Yeah. Uh, also, problems for Norris uh, on lap nine. He it looks like he hits a wall because we we pick him up on the camera near the wall of champions, um, and his uh, right rear. Tire it's very bizarre. Is off. I've never seen it like and, this. But then Brundle kind of immediately. Brundle is just like a yeah, a, a wizard Nostradamus or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, he he spots that like something weird is up, and he he claims uh, or he he uh, offers that the brake temperatures melted the suspension. <laughs> 
which might be true because to this day we don't know what happened. Oh, really? Yeah, McLaren's like I don't know. Something happened. But all we, all we can see is his, his right rear is basically just like hanging off the car. Yeah. Well, the track he was didn't hit it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So that, that's the other thing is they were saying it was a warm qualifying and then it was significantly warmer still on race day. Mm. So uh, part of it was they may have been outside their tolerances they'd set the cars up for. Right. But it did seem like a really strange incident and a really worrying one, right? Like these sort of sudden catastrophic failures are not you, know, you never want them to happen but the entire like an F1 car just falling the hell apart yeah. in the middle of a race is kind of a uniquely scary thought for a driver yeah, right? and, and frankly uh, not all outside the realm of possibility because like everything is engineered to an knife edge right and if you yeah. look back at like old races in the even like the 90s like well yes a quarter of the cars wouldn't finish right because they just, you know, technically ENFs. Yeah. Uh, and frankly, this this would have been par for the course six months ago for McLaren. Right. Like yeah. this this kind of stuff happened to them all the time. Yeah. So the fact that it is a little odd is frankly a little reassuring. Yeah. For, yeah. yeah you know? Totally. Like we still talk about Sebastian Buemi's front wheels just popping off. Go, that time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm. Like it's. Yeah, it's, when those things happen, it unnerves everybody because we like to, you know, pretend we're in the realm of safety all the time with the sport. Yeah. Uh, the next thing I have is uh, lap 15, Magnussen getting passed by Kvyat and Perez. Right. Uh, Kvyat. I need to start saying Kvyat. I, <laughs> I say Kvyat. It's not how it's... Um, hey, let's not get into that with the Ricciardo stuff. No, or Leclerc. Uh, <laughs> well, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, he's not having a great weekend, Magnuson. Uh, lap 32, uh, Perez gets by the other house of Grosjean uh, for 13th at turn one with a gutsy move. I like fucking clockwork. Roman Grosjean gets on team radio and complains yeah, about yep. it. Send that one into the, st- the stewards. Yeah. Okay, like, come Brian, on. We'll it was it. such a, like, it was, you yeah. know, it was a bit cheeky, but, you know, you don't get it. It wasn't exactly like people were having easy overtakes in this track. You got to make yeah. it work. And that's an overtaking spot, and he was, he was ahead of him, so leave it off. Uh, speaking of Botas on Ricardo, lap 35, uh, it's still going. Right. Uh, Botas tries to get by with DRS for fifth place, but Ricardo blocks. Uh, I think even Brundle points out, like, mm, I don't know about that move. Uh, but, like, you don't often see even an attempt at blocking a DRS pass. Right? Yeah. Because it's just kind of a given, like, ah, oh, he's got DRS, he's going to pass me. Ricardo, though, no. Nah. He I'm was blocked. Yeah. I, I love this move, by the way. He was. Uh, I don't. I don't know how I feel about this whole. I. I forget which. Which one of the? Because there was two different laps where he. Where he tried to defend against him. Yeah. I think it was the first of them where he was. You know the, the the rule of course is you can only make one move. You can't make a second move. But, but unless you can rejoin the racing line. Yes. Right. But also, you, if you want, you can just kind of wiggle. Which is what Ricciardo is. See, now I'm doing it. Which is what see Ricardo seemed to do. Which is like he seemed like he was. Like teeter, t- like he was standing on a on a on a on a line, like trying to gain his balance. He was kind of flickering left and right, almost to be like, pick a side, Botas, pick yeah. a side, Valtteri. Um, and now it seemed a little bit dangerous at that, that that speed, but I don't it know. did. It, like to me, it looked iffy. Uh, on the other hand, if you're checking your mirrors a lot, I could see the car like shuddering a little bit under that as well. Like that might have just been. To me, though, it did look like he was on the line of what would have been acceptable. Yeah. And if that had happened again, I would have wanted to see the stewards probably like step in yeah. and right. say something. But uh, instead, what happened is what we want to see happen, which is that. 
Botus, uh, Botus beat him basically on the next lap, right? Like he, and what was cool about that, the thing I really enjoyed about it, is overall Botus did not have a great weekend, mm. not a great race. But what I enjoyed about this particular sequence is, so he gets balked uh, by these defensive moves by uh, Daniel, and then the next time around, basically, he's like gotten the download on how Ricardo's going to defend it. And so he show, he begins showing Ricardo exactly what Ricardo saw in the last lap and then immediately cuts back. Like it's timed perfectly yeah. where by the time Ricardo is executing his defensive move, Botas is already committed to the other line. And it was a thing that you just basically, to, me, to my eyes at, lo- at least, it looked like something you almost needed to just have scripted. Like this is the play yeah. I'm running because if you wait to see it unfold fully... It will be too late. Yeah. So to it me, was like, like a boxing feint. It was just yeah. like like that perfect like go for it, and then I'm completely gonna completely dusted him. Mm. Uh, so that was, you know, that's the stuff we do like to see. And it's uh, I think Ricardo probably overstepped a little bit in his defensive moves, but happily they were able to sort it out for themselves on the track. Yeah. Should we take it to lap forty eight? Is that when it happened? Well, should we set up a little bit, like... Yeah, I guess we haven't talked about what was going on that'll, until that point. That'll yeah. never opened it up, is the thing to, to say, right? Like, usually yeah. when we see... Usually it's a Mercedes in the lead. <laughs> but usually what we see is that somebody out there in the clean air just drives away with the race. A little bit less so this season. A, a little, little bit. With those early races, at least. Yeah, the early ones. But lately it certainly felt a little more that way. Hmm. This time, Vettel never fully shook uh, Hamilton. It remained an uncomfortable interval the entire time. But it seemed like both of them were driving the hell out of themselves as well. Yeah. It didn't, didn't seem like Vettel had him at a distance or, or that Hamilton was sandbagging or anything. No, and they sort of remarked also that like Hamilton sounded more ragged than usual. And yeah. again, it was incredibly hot yeah. day. Physically like, demanding race. Yeah, just a brutal race. And... I think at this point, Vettel, Vettel, had, Vettel was starting to complain about something prior to this, right? Like, he was starting to... They were talking about, when it happened, they were playing radio that was like, it was about tires or temperature or uh, yeah. fuel or something, and brakes. They said plan B at one stage, but like, either that was a bit of misdirection, or because the idea of them doing a, a two-stop was kind of like... Never on the table, right, really, when you looked at the strategy. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So lap, so lap 45, uh, and I'm pulling this from uh, Keith Collantine's summary on racefans.net because I couldn't remember what had happened, uh, but apparently Vettel got some kind of signal that meant back off. Take, like, uh, right. he gets a radio message, the numbers on the steering wheel are correct, right. take actions. Okay, so it's probably and, a heat issue maybe? Yeah, not sure. It, like, could have been cooling. Could have been uh, Keith's writing. Could have been cool, uh, cooling, fuel consumption, or brake use. Right. Uh, but Vettel started uh, pacing himself a little bit more. Okay. And that pulled Hamilton right into range, and now he's sort of racing right on Vettel's gearbox for like three laps, mm. and. A little bit of traffic threw them off, I think, for a bit. Hamilton lost a step at one stage while they're making yeah. their way through back markers. 
yeah. really sort of closed the gap again a little bit. Right, and, and he had uh, he had some back markers ahead of him, uh, and he, as he's coming to turn three, so in the that you know twisty sector one. Yeah, it's like a downhill uh, chicane. Well, yeah, downhill. Is it a chicane? Do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To me, I agree. Like to me, it never quite feels like a chicane yeah. because the turns feel just separated enough that to me they're like separate turns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but it's a right and a left. Yeah. yeah. And, and a little bit downhill. Yeah, a little downhill, yeah. And, it's got that wall on the right. Yeah. Yeah. Alonzo beached on that. I always bring that up. I always remember that one from 20, 2011, I think. Or, yeah. Yeah, and um, Vettel loses the back end a little bit. He bobbles it mm. and cuts the corner. Yeah, we, we can, Yeah, so he doesn't spin off. He straightens the car out, ends up going right. over the grass. Hamilton is right behind him, but when Vettel rejoins, he comes right out full speed on the racing line and Hamilton has to slam the brakes and sort of, uh, you know, shimmy out of the way and then fall in behind Vettel. And I will just say, when I saw that happen, mm. my first thought was, can Vettel do that? Like, the right. moment I saw it, there was no question on my mind that it was a doubtful move. Mm. And that doesn't mean I didn't enjoy the racing, but my first reaction when I saw it is this may be wrong. Like, right. that's not how... And, and for what reason? Because it's best case scenario for Vettel, right? He's best just case got... scenario, but also he launched himself like, he launched himself right back onto the racing line. Like, right. if he had rejoined, but off the racing line, and then, like, ridden side by mm-hmm. side with, like, Hamilton through there, mm-hmm. like, that would have been one thing, but he makes part of his recovery into a defensive move, right. right? And that's, to me, like, seeing the onboard from Hamilton's perspective, when I see how that all goes from Vettel, for Vettel and the way he comes back on, from the car behind's position, to me, it looks like both an unsafe move but also an advantageous one in that he, like, lurches back onto the racing line and forces Hamilton to spill off a bunch of time and concede the spot mm. to to Vettel. So for me, immediately it was in a gray area. I didn't quite know because here's the other question. How much choice did Vettel have about right. how that unfolded? Once yeah. you straight line a corner, getting back onto tarmac from the grass and over the rumble strip is a risky moment, right? Mm. Like we've all like, you know, in any racing game, like that's where you lose it. The mm-hmm. differential in grip yeah. on the tires, like number one, you dip onto the grass, it's like ice. Yeah, yeah. And then you go onto the to tarmac, and it's completely different. Yeah, and that split second where you're on both surfaces mm-hmm. is just wildly dangerous. You hit so, the gas wrong, you spin. Right. So Vettel, does Vettel have a choice about where he ends up rejoining the track? Mm-hmm. I don't know that part. And I think that's where it's so much of this one has come down to like intent like in the, the spirit of the rule right the this like and i i was on your side as well at the st- uh, when when that initially happened i thought oh that like it's really inconvenient that he went off it's convenient where he came back on like this was exactly where he would have wanted where he would have wanted to be it was funny the fact that this happened two turns back from where he went wide in the last lap in 2011 for Button, where he also, he, he made a, a misjudgment error and came in a bit too hot. Um, uh, and I'm not sure if we're going to get into the specifics of it all now. Should we get into it now? Well, 
Maybe maybe we should finish out the race. Okay. Uh, or or at least go down the play by play of what happened, what happened in the race. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that happens. Um. And Vettel, uh, let's see, yeah, keeps the position. Yeah. Um, for the time being. Uh, lap 51, uh, Verstappen passes Ricardo for fifth place from ninth. Oh, yeah. Quick thing. The moment Vettel comes back in on the track and retains that position, Hamilton immediately gets on the phone to his, the That's, radio to yeah. his engineer and is like, that was he, I don't remember exactly his exact wording, but he, basically it was. He says like th- that was dangerous, man. That was yeah. You can't do that. Like that. Mm. And the response from Ferrari was, "We're already on it. We are talking to the stewards." Mercedes. Mercedes. Yeah. Yeah. Mercedes Ferrari only like to sabotage one of their drivers, not both of them. <laughs> <laughs> right. We'll, we'll get to that later. Uh, speaking of radio messages, lap fifty-five, Magnussen, <clears throat> quote, "This is the worst experience oh, I have ever had in any race car, ever." Well, then maybe don't break I your first one. I couldn't make that out. I yeah, didn't... That's what he said, yeah. Oh, really? This is the first... I Because to me, it was... like I just... like When I was watching it on my laptop while I was doing <laughs> dishes, uh, it just sounded like some whining and something about yeah. like race car ever. Yeah. And that's what I made out. That is so much worse Isn't that than really what bad? I thought I heard. Yeah. So... It, uh, Race fans has the the full transcript of what went back and forth because they, they do skip a little bit in the in the when they played this in the broadcast. Yeah. <clears throat> Magnuson says that apparently what had happened in um, do I do a dramatic reading? Uh, okay, let me set it up first. So what happened with <laughs> Magnuson? Uh, he he, cr- he crashed his car. They put him in a new chassis, put a new gearbox in, like spent all night uh, rebuilding the car basically, mm-hmm. and then because he was starting so far back, they did an aggressive. Uh, downforce option, okay. right? So because why not? Because why not? You're from the back. You're already you know yeah. starting from the pit lane. Um, so uh, just to contextualize that a little bit, a yeah. little bit of Magnuson's defense, but still that's rough. So I'm not, sure, I'm not even sure if that's a defense. Like yeah. I, I kind of feel like that maybe really, makes it worse. Than yeah, he, maybe. Yeah, so he knew that they were rolling the dice. The engineer, sure. <laughs> None of us are happy about this. The guy stayed up all night to fix the car. Sorry, I'm going to need a Gunter Steiner accent or something. Oh, this is okay. the engineer. So the this engineer. is... Uh, yeah. None <laughs> of us are happy about this. The guy stayed up all night to fix the car. I know, I know. It's just... Yeah, it sucks. I know. It's enough now. This is Gunter. It's enough. What does that mean? What it means is that for us, it is also not a nice experience. It's enough now. That's what it means. Enough is enough. And that's Steiner. not bad. And that's Steiner that's has good. to come on and say, stop whining. Right, yeah. How you, often do you ever hear the team principal, like, weigh in on these, like... And over, over what as well? Over just be quiet. Like, yeah. it's, not, it's not a, a strat decision that they're, you know, complaining against, or, or it's just, like, it's housekeeping. Like, it's like social media policy. Gunther like, what Steiner the fuck is, is here to tell you... You are going to cover Galaxy's Edge. This is <laughs> yeah, great content. You just do your fucking job. Uh, after the race, Magnuson did say, uh, and this was not broadcast, guys, I'm sorry. Uh, I know you're just as frustrated as I am. And the guys in the garage, big apologies. You done great, as always. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. 
how, I, it's that double-edged or the, the two sides of the coin where it's like look I, i'm sure being a driver in that situation is very frustrating and emotional and all that sort of stuff but like he's he's not he's not green he should know better like just i know we know he's a hothead and that's his part of his and thing, you bend just, it and, and like, also you have some humility you you yeah. you skim the wall of champions and put it in the other yesterday way. yeah and you like badly you're the reason he they were up all night busted that car up in ways you can't immediately fix was it right. the same chassis i think it was right you said they replaced the chassis? They, they, oh, they changed they replaced chassis. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, readying up a second car is brutal. And what's he racing for? Like, they're yeah. not getting points, right? Like, at that stage. Where was he? Where did he start? Uh, he started from the pit lane. Yeah. And lap 55, let's see here. If he's just to, button, uh, maybe. <laughs> racefans.net for their awesome lap charts every week. He's in 18th place. All right. See, this is this is the secret to Roman Grosjean's longevity, is <laughs> just just seems chill. Like, yeah, he'll make bad mistakes, but also if you make bad mistakes too, as we saw in Drive to Survive, yeah. Roman Grosjean will be there for you as a teammate. Yeah. Roman Grosjean, team player, solid Kevin guy. Kevin Magnuson takes one to no one, throws you under the bus. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that was lap fifty-five. Lap fifty-eight. We get a little message on screen from the stewards. Five second time penalty for Sebastian Vettel. Right. Which is, I think, the lowest penalty you can get. Yes. For that stuff? Yeah. So I don't know. Create the gap, and this isn't a problem. True. Vettel has told this over the radio. He, of course. Uh, no, 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 no. I had no. nowhere to go. Yeah. I did see him. I had grass on my wheels. If he'd had gone to the inside, he'd gone past me. Wait, he said that? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, he means the inside for turn six. Uh, the inside, which is not the race once he line. rejoined. So if he's talking about if Hamilton had like crossed to the left, yeah, he could have passed him. That feels like. And let me let me just finish out the last thing I have here. Lap sixty-eight, the front battle is now uh, like it has this weird thing looming over it. Uh, Signs loses a place to Stroll on the final chicane for ninth place, and then Kofi yeah. makes a marvelous move up the inside of uh, Signs again for. Uh, uh, tenth place. Poor at turn Carlos. One. He lost that, that penalty, and then yeah, yeah, getting losing his points in the last lap. Yeah, but some really nice moves. Kvyat's move, especially, I think yeah. that was really good. Um, so, but yeah, back to Vettel and Hamilton. He can't pull that gap, and at the end of the day, they finish Hamilton within five seconds of Vettel. And the other person to talk about, who we've basically not talked about all race, and. There wasn't really much to talk about because he was kind of in no man's land. Was uh, our good friend Charles Leclerc, who mm-hmm. is is on to get uh, a podium, um, which is great because he's he's had a bit of a rough time of it these past couple of races. Yeah. Um, and the big question is whether or not he's within five seconds of of Seb because he's not that far off the pace. And right. Uh, and we subsequently find out that maybe Ferrari forgot to tell Charles. That, not maybe. Not maybe. They forgot. <laughs> they forgot. Yep. No, uh, no. I mean, they didn't tell him. Maybe they forgot. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they didn't tell him. Yeah. Because uh, Seb, you know, angry Seb in second place. I don't know. Maybe at that stage he doesn't care. But he got he he came in third. Was it six point two or something? He was just off. Mm. Let's see the final race result here. I think he was four seconds off Hamilton. He was four seconds off Hamilton at the end of the day. Vettel was three seconds off. Hamilton. Hamilton, okay, so very close. Seven. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a margin of yeah, one second. One second. <laughs> so what do y'all make of this? Where to start? Oh, I mean, boy. 
Um, we can talk about the pit lane podium celebration in a second. Yeah. But I'm just curious. The so incident? I've got, I've got... Yeah, the that, incident. I've got Vettel's view here, and I've got Hamilton's view here. Okay. We'll start with those. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, these from autosport.com. Let's... Vettel insisted that he had deliberately... That he had not deliberately cut across in front of Hamilton as he rejoined the track. Quote, I was coming back on track and trying to make sure I had the car under control. Once I regained control and made sure it was all right, I saw in the mirrors that Lewis was right behind me. I don't think I could have done anything different. I don't know what the problem was. Asked if he could have done anything more to avoid cutting in front of Hamilton, he said, No. How? I've got two hands, and I have them on the steering wheel trying to keep the car under control. I mean, the brake pedal's right there, but sure. Hamilton's view. I watched the replays. It's obviously very close. What I can say is if I was in the lead and I made a mistake and went wide, I probably would have done the same thing. Mm. It happens so quick and you're just trying to hold the position. And when I say I do the same, I would have tried to squeeze him too. Mm. The thing is, from a driver's point of view, you know how it goes. It's different when you're watching as a viewer. But as a driver, things go wrong and it's shoot. You try to squeeze so that you don't lose position. It's a natural instinct that we have. You're not going to go, actually, I'm going to pull to the left and let them bloody go by. He did block me, but unfortunately he went off track, and the way the rules are written, that's how it is prescribed. Uh, can I go? What, yes. I, what I think? I don't know. I've, I've read a bunch about it. I watched uh, Chamber put up um, uh, his perspective on the whole thing. Yes. Um, we'll link that. There's been a bunch of um, uh, really good um, opinions on it. So the... the the thing that got him was that the steward said that they saw a second movement in, on his wheel, which was, out, which was after him gaining re-control back on the tarmac, that they thought was him making a defensive move against Hamilton. And I guess it's, it's, this whole thing to me comes down to like intent. Like either he meant to do that and he, there was a way of avoiding it, or he didn't mean to and there was no way of avoiding it. And it's difficult for me as not an F1 driver or not in Seb's head to really make a call on that. My gut feeling is that the moment that he lost control, he was trying to make sure he did not lose position. Like these F1 drivers are, it is a very split second like decision to be made. All these guys do is make split-second decisions over the course of this whole track. What did everyone think the minute he went wide? Is Lewis going to get past him? Everyone, there's only one overtaking, like no one's going really outside of that thing across another car. Like there was only ever going to be one thing to do. Everyone in their mind's eye was thinking, is he going to get to the wall fast enough so that Lewis can't accelerate out of that chicane fast enough? And get, like to me, it seemed like maybe on a different uh, part of the track or a different track or a wider piece of track it's it's more of a complex issue but on this one it just seems so bloody obvious the one thing you need to do is get back on the track and get to that part of the track he didn't need to be going fast the next turn is coming up in a in a hot second and it's a it's it's taken in like fourth gear i think so to me it 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 was a exactly what he needed to do um i think they gave him the most lenient penalty they deemed that what he had done like they knew what the issue was as well that it was that it was it wasn't that he'd gotten back on track it was that he had he had made a, he had done something electively that was going to cause a problem for another driver um and i think that's why they penalized them and i think it's a shitty penalty it's an annoying one and it kind of like took a sting out of a really good battle which i hate i would have been fine if it wasn't given but i totally understand that it was given 
I think where I fall is that I don't blame the stewards because mm. I think they are enforcing what's in the rules. Do I think the rules should probably change? Yeah. Or at least provide a little more granularity. The, the problem with that, though, is if you have a space open for a lesser penalty to be applied, driver's going to push it a lot more. And these rules are there for safety, right? Is it, the, is it that five seconds you don't like? Or? It's, it's, a, it's a, a lack of, to put it in Rob Zachney terms, a lack of a rule of cool. Right, okay. Yeah. Uh, to maybe contextualize it a little more, here are some voices against handing Vettel a penalty. Mario Andretti, Jimmy Johnson, Alex Wurz, <laughs> Nigel Mansell, Mark Webber. Hey, you said cool. You put Nigel Mansell in there? <laughs> Alan McNish, Guido Vandergaard, and Max Chilton. Okay. Uh, and uh, Ricardo, although I wasn't able to find the source for that. Ricardo, I make six changes of direction in front of you on a DRS straight. Uh, yeah. Okay, good point. Uh, voices... For the penalty in mm. favor of penalizing Vettel. Nico Rosberg. <laughs> Nico Rosberg. Oh my God. <laughs> <Good> <laughs> vlogger. Uh, and Julian Palmer. Okay. Who um, wrote a really good uh, article for the BBC. Right. As he's a columnist there. Um, who basically says, by the letter of the law, Vettel was guilty. And it goes on to question, you know, should should the law be changed? Right. What do you think, Rob? Um, <clears throat> I mean, this is such a perfectly gray situation. Mm. Like, I can make a good argument for either finding. Um, I think fundamentally, I probably like the rolling. Like, mm. it did... It, like, yes, it does feel like in some ways the stewards put their hand on the scale and determined the outcome of the race. On the other hand, what do we want to say? Close racing, drivers under pressure, on the edge. Vettel lost it. Yeah. He lost it. Like, and he, yes, he, he was able to straight line it and come back on the, on the track and squeeze Hamilton. And I think Hamilton's very fair in his statement. Any driver would have done it. Yeah. And... Who knows how much control Vettel had, but like, either way, uh, all of this starts when the car gets away from Vettel for just that you know fraction of a second, and the same thing doesn't happen to Hamilton. Hamilton does what he continues to do, which is just keeps coming uh, with the car under control, mm. you know, able to sustain that pressure for lap after lap after lap. Vettel. Yes, the stewards played a role. Vettel lost Vettel's race. Yeah, the that's, stewards wouldn't have had to play a role if Vettel hadn't lost yeah, control. And, and so that's that's kind of where I, that's kind of where I come down. Like honestly, what it made me really wish for is that F one circuits had more runoff. Uh, <laughs> oh no! To me, the the thing. Well, that I have her- a track design for <laughs> oh, you, no. my friend. Herman's ears just picked up. No, but I kind of, like, where I'm going with this, though, is a little more runoff with, like, tarmac so we can do the IndyCar thing at Coda. 
where it's like <laughs> no track limits. All right, boys, let's go racing. Yeah, okay. Because that's the like. Imagine how rule of cool. Imagine <laughs> like the uh, Ron Howard's Rush version of this, where like Vettel comes straight lining back onto the track, right. like intercut of like Hamilton's feet, like pounding the brake and then cutting over onto the asphalt outside the track yeah. limits on the right side, and just like zooming around him and like. Smoke, grass everywhere. It's awesome. <laughs> well, I mean, like, uh, apply, you know, Roman Grosjean's frequent missing of, uh, is it turn one and two in Spain, I guess? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, where you have, to, you have to, they have a pile on there, right, for, for re-entry, which is yeah. the, the way they, they, you know, make sure it's both safe and also give you a little bit. That's, I mean, that pile on there means that they don't have to give you a five-second penalty. Like, yeah. that's taking a smaller penalty, time penalty away in the moment and making sure everyone's yeah. safe. Obviously, it's not possible on the turn where this happened. Yeah. But it is interesting to me how the narrative of this whole race has come down to, oh, Vettel lost this race because, um, because, he, he, uh, because of a ruling or the rules. When, like, Sebastian Vettel lost this race for the same reason he's continued to lose places this entire season, he keeps making these mistakes yeah. in qualifying or in race. It's, and, it's, it's, and it's now becoming the sort of the big difference when we look at the legacy of Vettel and the legacy of Hamilton. Because Hamilton just is, he's like Terminator, man. He just does not, over the course of a whole race, like and many other people in Mercedes cars haven't done the same thing. Like Nico was capable of making mistakes. I mean, so was Lewis in his early career. Valtteri for sure. But he's just, he's cold as ice, man. And then Seb, I mean, literally he, he made a mistake in the, this race in, on the next turn, like years earlier. But I just think in, in recent memory, um, he's, he's just not been able to hold it together and I'm not sure if that's a car thing or a Seb thing or a matter of both but like at the end of the day I think he lost that race because like he put the car off in a place that you don't really tend to lose the car yeah I want to read two more quotes here Hmm. Uh, one is from uh, Ed Straw in Autosport once you have the hard and fast rules people keep clamoring for the hands of the stewards are tied and they don't have the freedom simply to let it go the demand is always for consistency, but no two incidents are identical. Mm. All require interpretation, and it would have been better for the racing had this one been let go. The stewards did the right thing by the framework in which they operate, but F1 needs to give them more room for nuanced decisions because outcome does not have to play a part in the ways these incidents are adjudicated. Second quote here from Braun, Ross Braun, the uh, managing director of motorsport, I think, of Formula One. Yes. Uh, also from Autosport. Interested here, what do you say? Uh, I believe the stewards would be the first to say that they would prefer not to see a race outcome decided via a penalty. At the same time, I understand how difficult it must be for fans to understand why the driver on the top step of the podium is not the one who crossed the finish line first. That's why transparency is important when it comes to explaining the decisions of the stewards, especially in such a complex sport as Formula One. As it is, uh, it is... In football, where despite the arrival of VAR, which stands for what? Do we know? Um, it's the it's the slow Replay. down technology they use for goals and offsides and handballs and stuff now. Yeah. Uh, there is still discussion as to whether a handball should be punished with a penalty or not. Therefore, mm. it might be it might be useful to work with the FIA on solutions that would allow the stewards to explain their decisions to the fans and to elaborate on how they reached them. Mm. I would agree. I'm sympathetic to any Seb fan or Ferrari fan or even as someone who's not a a fan of you know either of those who felt like this was a little bit harsh. Um, I I I I'm kind of like Rob. I'm like either way. I guess I would have been okay with it. I've yeah. I've learned to not put my stock in F1 rules all that much. But I will say is that if it was the other way around, I think Lewis would have been cheated. 
more so than the way it ended up being. I think Lewis having doggedly hunted him down lap after lap after lap after lap and then getting that chance and then getting blocked, that would have, that would have sucked, I feel like. I think that, that the fight was there and Lewis was in it that whole time. And I'm not a big Lewis or Mercedes fan, but you know, I think, I think he, he deserved it in a way that Seb kind of didn't. I think that this is, I think, the other part of maybe why this has turned into such controversy. If you watch that race broadcast, like, Brundle was very in high dudgeon about, like, if they penalize Seb, then we should just pack it all in, <laughs> and what are we even doing here anymore? Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, they're pit lane reporter. Um, Will Buxton. Will Buxton, yeah. No, not Will Buxton. Oh, uh, Ted Kravitz. Uh, Ted Kravitz, yeah. Uh, was also sort of in the same boat. This is this is racing. That was just you know you can't do that for the show. And I think the other thing that informs this: imagine the car trailing him is not a Mercedes. Imagine right. yeah. Seb does that, and it's Daniel Charles. behind it. Yeah, or Charles. Yeah, like I think people would feel differently because, like I to me, I feel like. On, there was a subtext here that... Swap them. Make it Hamilton who spins off. Yeah. And slows or, down Seb. Yeah, but I, I think there's... I think then the, it still would have weighed in because I think part of this is people are tired of seeing Mercedes win and yeah. they want yeah. to see Ferrari notch a win. Yeah, totally. Like, notch a victory. And I think if it hadn't been Hamilton in that position and it had been, like, another underdog team like, you know, Renault, I think people would have been, like... Well, and then you would have heard Danny's argument right there. Well, you know, Daniel has brought, has been reeling him in lap after lap. Right. Like, you can't take this away from Renault having the race of their... And I think this is the other thing that weighed on it. People have been waiting for Ferrari to actually bring the fight to Mercedes. Yeah. Here they brought it, and then I was so it excited kind of to got see diffused. Them. Yeah, I was really excited to see the two of them on the podium. And, yeah. and hopefully... I mean, we got it, but, you know. Yeah. Imagine, imagine the end of that... that, that um, infamous 2011 Grand Prix if instead of it happening on the next corner it happened there and Vettel blocked him and Button came second like, yeah. <laughs> I mean at the end of the day that never came into the steward's decision and that's, this is all just part of but it's, it's part of the emotional response I feel like why certain yeah. people feel a certain way and it's probably why I maybe am less sympathetic towards Seb because ultimately I think Seb robbed us of a great ending to that race I yeah. think it, to me it's, just, it's, it's hard. I don't want to blame him because it's incredibly hard to drive F1 cars but for me, if there's blame anywhere, it's 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 him losing losing the rear dot car and, and and yeah. If I were Sebastian Vettel, I would simply have retained control of my car. Yeah, and gone just put the, just put the F1 car on auto yeah. gears and yeah. put traction traction but, control. On. So <laughs> the, there's a thing I wanted to bring up here, yeah, just out enough. of curiosity for you both. What do you make of his demeanor after this? Right, like how like how do you yeah, feel? In, in in case anyone's TV cut off or something yeah uh what what is supposed to happen is the top three cars drive to the end of the pit lane where they have the uh the signs that say one two and three you park behind your number and you stick around for an interview and then you go up to the podium Hmm. that'll just park his car uh in the pit lane pushed it back to the garage yeah um and actually when he did that we didn't see this uh during the broadcast but f1 uh tweeted out a video hamilton is driving up next to him, behind him, sees that Fettel stopped his car early and, like, stops next to him and, like, waves him over, like, hey, you want to hop on my car for a ride? Yeah, the controversial ride. To, yeah. uh, to the, you know, where we're supposed to park the cars? Did you have a car problem or something? Mm. You know, Seb doesn't, or he doesn't he said he, he said he didn't notice him. He didn't notice yeah. him. Uh, 
So Hamilton just continues on. Mm. Vettel just he doesn't even go to the interview area. He walks into his. Uh, he walks to the get weighed yeah. uh, by the FIA, which every driver has to do. Uh, and then he walks to the yeah that Ferrari hospitality suite. But then they grab him and pull him back. Yeah. So um, he said after the race, uh, I think it was a matter of respect to show Lewis and Charles, uh, and also uh, representative for Mercedes. Uh, who was Hamilton's power unit engineer, mm. Marga Torres, mm. uh, on the podium to be part of the podium. Certainly wasn't uh, the place I wanted to be because at that point you just want to get out. So he says he got back there because of respect. I think the, the team was probably like, hey, you're, you have to do this or we're going to get another penalty. Yeah, you won't be on the podium, dude. Right. Like, they'll give you another penalty. And who was in fourth? Botas? No. Uh uh, gosh, we didn't even run down the race result. Yeah, both <laughs> Who <tops>. cares? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, we'll do that after this. Um, but on his... So he does eventually get out. He, he actually walks through the Mercedes garage, which is really strange, yeah, yeah. to get back to, uh, you know, where they're... Um, he, he has to go to the spot where the car is parked to get back up to the podium where everybody is. Right. Everyone thought he was just going to go headbutt Toto Wolf or something. Right, yeah. <laughs> but on his way... Do you want to describe what he did? I mean, yeah, he just walks over to the the two sort of standees you have for second and first and swaps, I guess, second with and first with like where his car should have been uh-huh. and puts uh, second on a uh, on Lewis Hamilton's. I just thought it, I I mean, I, part of me liked I love the 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 soap opera of F1, uh-huh. but I just this whole thing just felt to me like like a like a kid who was embarrassed, yes, and was just trying to play cool, and he had a bunch of fans there, which was nice, but yeah. like, I just thought it sucked. I thought it was childish, but I loved it. Yeah, I was. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with like. I think this is su- it was such classic Seb. Like, I think it my, would. Sorry, go on. My partner and I have this thing. Like, my partner does this vicious impression of Sab whenever <laughs> things are going on the radio and her her impression of Sab is always like but papa <laughs> i was i i was relieving the race uh, but but papa that was dangerous and like he is very much like the stereotypical like uh you know whiny wiener baby uh, yeah and like it's how <laughs> he's come across Repeatedly, he just immediately becomes maximum petulance, and no, it's not a good look. Like it was the moment when, if people were ever going to have sympathy for Sebastian Vettel, this would have been the moment. And by the time he's come to the end of the pit lane, all that sympathy is gone. Right. You know what I mean? Like by the, by the time it's time for him to go to the podium, everyone's like, you know what the hell with this guy? Mm. Like just. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I think Lewis Hamilton, the way he, he has sort of um, the way he just communicates and like uh, reacts to this sort of stuff, or maybe doesn't react to it, is a large part of this as well. I think if if Seb was part of like a you know Hunt Lauda situation or a Prost Senna where they were going toe to toe, you'd have something. But like time and time again, whenever and I'm, I'm going to sound like a massive Lewis Hamilton anti Seb fan, I'm, I'm certainly not, but. Whenever Seb tries to like make a rise out of this stuff, Hamilton never bites. Like even like the 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 wheel tap in Baku like two years ago when Seb like literally rammed Hamilton. Yeah. Like like any other driver you can imagine losing their mind or like storming into pit lane after the race or doing any of that. Yeah. And Hamilton was just like Seb just hit me. You know what I mean? Like he was just like 
pretty calm about it. He doesn't rise to it. And I think he didn't rise this time as well. In fact, if anything, like by the time he went up to the green room, there was, it was a lot of contrition, oh I feel my like. God, you know what I mean? Like, so good. And I think that doesn't... I think if, if Hamilton was as petulant or like somewhere there, it would give... It would make... It just makes Seb's behavior look all the less like digestible, I think. Yeah. So Hamilton just doesn't care. He's not yeah. there for that. The green room was really good. Yeah, Thanks to the green room. So... I think uh, Vettel walks in and he says something to, like, he, he shakes Hamilton's hand. He says something like, you know, I know it wasn't you that made the decision. Right. Um, and then they all just sit there quietly. And there's a Canadian Mountie in the corner of the frame. Three just of like them. Trying not to look. Like, he knows something really intense is going on behind him, but he can't turn around and look. It's really <laughs> funny. Uh, then out on the podium... They do, they do the trophies. And there's this really hard moment where the uh, the woman handing the second place trophy tries to give it to Charles Leclerc. And then he what? has to point to Fettel. He's like, oh, no, no, it's actually it's that guy. Oh, God, I didn't see that bit. That's awful. <laughs> uh, but after the champagne, which is also really awkward, I, I really did feel sorry for Hamilton's power unit engineer. She like, was having, she's so pumped to be on there. She was so pumped. Like, I, actually, I think her enthusiasm made me feel so much better yeah. about that. Part. I think she even doused Fettel with She a did. Bunch of I, mean, I think she like loosened them up a little bit or something because yeah. she like sprayed it right in Seb's face in a, like, a non aggressive way. Yeah. And then he was kind of like, all right, and did yeah. it as well. I thought that was quite nice. But Brundle did finally get a chance to interview Fettel. Right. Uh, and he, he got like corralled him and Hamilton and like was talking with him back and forth and people started booing Lewis and to Seb's credit he did say uh, you know know, he interrupted and said like people shouldn't boo Lewis it Mm. was not his decision Uh, which of course you please thank you for doing that yeah Uh, but I'm I'm at least glad that he did yeah he's proactive about it bad week for Canadian sports fans to be honest like (laughs) Canadian crowds not doing themselves proud uh, this this last week. Uh, no, I, I think I think you're booing Lewis for that situation. It ain't about what happened on the track. Like that's like I don't know that one. That one felt weird to me mm. uh, because this wasn't. I understand why people boo Schumacher when he like <laughs> just <laughs> robbed Barrichello like blind <laughs> on the track right. in Austria. Uh, like I understand why like people get heated about that stuff there are times uh, to boo at f1 races at yeah. end of f1 for sure this was this was a gray area and like the drivers weren't in control of it i thought it was crummy um but it was that'll did once he'd sort of regained control of himself mm. i think he comported Composure. himself well but my god the tantrum was something mm. well classified finishes all right here uh hamilton in first place followed by sebastian fettel and charles leclerc rounding out the top three behind them valtteri botas uh verstappen in fifth followed by ricardo uh and hulkenberg nice six seven for renault mm. points hall uh gasly stroll and kafiat rounding out the top 10 behind them we got signs perez antonio giovanazzi roman grosjean uh, Kimi Raikkonen in 15th, then we got Russell in 16th, Magnussen, Kubica, uh, and then not classified were Albon, uh, who DNF'd on lap 50, or uh, 23, looks right. like. <clears throat> Williams' cars were oh, about no, two and a half laps back this 15. time. They had a real hard time of it. Yeah, and so was Magnussen two laps back. All right. Uh, and Norris also DNF'd for his, uh, hmm. his weird thing. Botas scored the additional point. 
for setting the fastest Oh yeah, did lap. we talk about that? His, uh, he parked his car right at right the end of the pit lane and we kind of had it sitting there for the rest of the race. Right? <laughs> yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah. It, stuck there. it stuck around for a bit. Yeah. Uh, driver standings here, Hamilton on top with 162. Botas in second place with 133. Sebastian Fiddle in third with 100 points. Then we got Verstappen with 88. Leclerc with 72. Uh, Gasly with 36, and then a big jump down to Sainz in 7th place with 18 points. Ricardo's got 16, Magnussen with 14, Perez and Raikkonen are tied for 10th place with 13 points. Then we got another tie with 12 points has Hulkenberg and Norris. Uh, then we got Kvyat with 10, Kvyat. Alvin <laughs> has 7, Stroll has 6, Grosjean has 2, Antonio Giovinazzi, George Russell, and Bobby Kay have zero points. Bummer for Giovinazzi. Couldn't yeah. turn that 12th place into a point. Real shame. Uh, Constructor standings. Oh, boy. This is ugly. Mercedes with 295. Ferrari's got 172, and Red Bull has 124. McLaren in fourth place with 30. Renault's that? got 28. <laughs> Racing Point with 19. Scuderia Toro Rosso has 17. Gene Haas and team have 16 points. Alfa Romeo's got 13, and Williams with zero. Yikes. Damn, it's not even that good of a Formula 1.5 season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was that race like for them? That was, uh, a, that was an interesting one, I, I bet. I can, I can check while you guys uh, talk about the first item on our news. What's the first item on our news? Oh, this, is, this was... <sighs> so, apparently somebody tried to break into Roman Groschan's house. What is up with them trying to break? Remember Jensen Button got like... Yeah, they gassed they him. They gassed him and his wife and they yeah. robbed their house. What he, that was like some James Bond nonsense. It's, uh, he also was attempted abducted as well at Interlagos one year. We didn't have a driver sucks. Jeez. So what happened with Grosjean? Apparently somebody tried to get into his house uh, while his family was home. And uh, Grosjean like ran to the door. Okay. And like put his, you know got between uh, the burglars and his family and uh, sort of scared them off. So Marion Grosjean, his wife, uh, posted um, this in French on right. Instagram, and there is a uh, translation from Reddit user Longhorn Jeep Lover. Cool. Who doesn't <laughs> love Longhorn Jeeps? So I don't know if this is totally accurate, but uh, uh, this user says that the English translation is often sportsmen who perform great performances are said to be heroes. Mm. I have never agreed with this term. They do not save the world. They embellish it. Whoa. Uh, of course, it is already really thoughtful. a lot. Today, though, I can tell <laughs> from my husband that he is both a sportsman and a hero. This patio door, and she shows a picture of it, uh, is the one by which burglars entered our home that night. Uh, no one has been hurt happily, and our children will never know of the fright that has been ours. Unless thanks they to, check out my Instagram. <laughs> thanks to uh, at Roman Grosjean or at Grosjean Romain, uh, who or has, my husband's, who has not, uh, who did not hesitate to leap in front of them to block their way and protect his family. I've never liked to display our private life in the press or on the networks, but uh, the heroes um, win to be known, to be recognized, and I live with one of them. Thank you, my love. Aww. Probably could have just told him instead of posting an Instagram thing. But well, she, he, she wanted him to get props for being a brave. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Nico Rosberg saved somebody from drowning that one time in Monaco. Do you remember that? Right. Yeah. Uh, was, it, F- was it Kimmy after he fell off his yacht after a couple of <laughs> <laughs> well, That's awesome. No, fair play to Roman. That's great. If if I was to hear a story about an F1 driver um, protecting their family in that situation, I wouldn't have immediately thought about him. But um, I can I can see that. 
Uh, was Nico F- Hulkenberg, he would have like kicked the person's face <laughs> in or something. Yeah. <laughs> Put uh, it on a spike and left it in his living room. For the 1.5 team standings, McLaren with 132, Toro Rosso with 130. Wow, it's a fight. Uh, close racing points battle. got 129. So this is a close wow, battle. Oh, shit. <laughs> How are Williams doing? Uh, uh, Renault's got 119. Haas has uh, 104. Alfa Romeo with 92. Williams has 8. Because they've just like... They're on the board. Because they get bumped up to 10th because there's 6 less cars. Oh, Lord. more often they just get points. That's beautiful. Sure, that's great. Wonderful. We should yeah. start watching 1.5. Um, <laughs> I guess we all are watching 1.5. Is a state <laughs> of mind, oh, man. man. Okay. Uh, in other fun news. Oh God. Speaking of energy drinks, <sighs> someone drank a little too much energy drink, I think, uh, and then went on Rich Energy's Twitter account. Okay. Whoever manages this thing is absolutely... It's, uh, it's, it's Tim, right? It is. You're right. It's, it's the CEO. Yeah. It's Mr. Story. How many um, Twitter followers do we have on Shift F1? Uh, Shift you F1? I'll look it up. Okay. Because um, they've got 17,000. And you know what? I bet we're... I bet we're not... not we're not 17,000. We're not anywhere near that. <laughs> we're not, are we not? No. We no. have 5,000 almost. Yeah. Like, pretty good. And we didn't. We, we so we're firmly in the white bikes tier. Yeah, of social yeah. media. They've got, I mean, they they got fifty three hundred. We can sponsor a whole car. We can sponsor a rear wing or something with that, right? Uh, white bikes tweeted a, a picture, pretty funny. It, it's in a mall somewhere where it says it's like a Mercedes ad. It says Formula One World Champions, and it's like a picture of, uh, you know, the Mercedes car. And then right below it is a, is an ad for uh, for white bikes. Um, which it looks like they've partnered with Mercedes because it's, That's it's too funny. their logo next to a Mercedes logo. And then the text, why not host your next conference, meeting, or event at Mercedes-Benz World? What on earth? I don't know. Uh, seems like some kind of co-branding. But uh, White Bikes tweeted that with like some cheeky emojis with like a winky face. And then Rich Energy just replies directly to this tweet. Oh, great. And says... Enjoy the free PR while you can, guys. Those with an IQ higher than their age realize you oh, no. are Mickey Mouse. Oh. Uh, which, isn't that what the Nazi says to Indiana Jones in The Last Crusade? You are Mickey Mouse? Uh, oh, how we will laugh in due course. Oh my God. We are actually investing money in F1 whilst you are investing zero. Total parasites who knew about us for two years before piping up. Hashtag F1. This is the, like, Twitter version of act your age, not your shoe size. Like, that's the level of beef we're getting from this guy. It's very, like, rich energy is esports ready. I will say that. (laughs) Or at least esports from a few years back. Uh, This is some, some pretty classic stuff. But yeah, then somebody... It's like uh, the Corsair Twitter account all over again. <laughs> so then somebody from BBC's Top Gear uh, just <laughs> tags in Haas F1. It's just like, uh, you might want to dissociate yourself uh, from, from this bunch. And then Rich Energy uh, keeps going. You do low-rent low rent videos in your bio. Analysis on a similar level. 
in the way your show does not support UK car companies like Ultima Cars, faster than Porsche that you fawn over, it is entirely in keeping that you would disparage us. Hashtag F1, hashtag Ultima, hashtag Top Gear, hashtag Rich Energy, hashtag Fat Shack. It's my favorite one. It's great. This, okay. this comment has 245 responses and 32 likes, so they got <laughs> ratioed pretty hard on that one. I've got a third tweet uh, oh God. this week okay. in, uh, in Rich Energy's Twitter account. By the way, thanks to everyone who emailed in all of these tweets, but oh, yeah. they were already uh, Keep them coming. accounted for in the news. Appreciate it. Uh, June 9th, 11.52 p.m. Um, <clears throat> Rich Energy says... Interesting article in At Evo Magazine about At Rich Energy growth story taking on At Red Bull and At Monster Energy. <clears throat> hashtag Rich Energy, hashtag Better Than Red Bull, hashtag F1, hashtag Business, hashtag British GT, hashtag Gives You Horns, hashtag William Story, hashtag Boxing, hashtag Extreme Sports, hashtag Entrepreneur Life. This person needs to realize that Instagram and Twitter are two different things. Uh, then it's a picture of said article in the magazine, and if you. You can't make this up. <laughs> on the opposite page is a picture of William Story. If you zoom in on the picture in the upper right corner, it says advertising feature. <laughs> this is not a real article. Oh, my God. It is an advertisement. It's great. This is so good. Oh, my God. This advertorial copy is something. Someone's got to write a book about this. This is going to be the next... You know what? In, in, in five or ten years' time, when Netflix is, like, just dripping with excess documentaries that are just, like, flopping out of it on every sport and motorsport in the world, and we have no more F1 stories to tell, somebody is going to tell the Rich Energy documentary tale. It's going to be a ten-part series coming to Netflix, and we're going to love it. And the story begins like this. There's a new kid on the block on the energy drink shelves of the supermarkets and the Formula One circuits of the world. Rich Energy and its enigmatic company founder and CEO, William Story, have arrived out of nowhere, sticking a fire, stoking a firestorm of criticism, bewilderment, and disbelief from rivals, sections of the media, and from the cynical. From the cynical. Wow. The cynical. First they came for the cynical. This is the most defensive advertorial. Like, if you are paying for an advertorial like this, you are fucked. <laughs> like, this is... Advertorial this is, is <laughs> something you want to look like a real article. And yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And, like, generally then, it's just basically regurgitated PR talking points. Right. This is entirely about... So you may have read in <laughs> numerous outlets or seen on Twitter... That we're not a real company. Right. We are extremely real and are have a booming business and a plan. And only the haters would deny that. But it's and then that's just packaged to look like a real article. Oh, this is this is not good. It's rich. It's uh I love the 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 they're still clinging on to these where are these supermarkets? I mean, uh, supermarkets where ladies take their clothes off, like sure, they've got those ones wrapped up. Um not sure if they're in your local Tesco. It's amazing. That, 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 the article doesn't read like an advertorial. It reads more like what happened when, when like a jilted lover goes on a message board that their mutuals are on yeah. to like disparage and them. Do we even buy... like? They said that they've mostly targeted uh, like strip clubs and dance clubs right. with their product. But again... 
Totally. Like, that's just them that's saying... That's just what they're going That's for. just them associating themselves with another place that, like, glamorous and sexy locations. Right. But, mm, I don't know. Uh, so, this is, this is so funny. This is such a weird... You know, uh, again, as long as the check's clear. More money than sense. Yeah. Uh, one more news story here. This okay. one's fun and lighthearted. Okay. And it makes me happy. Um, <clears throat> I'll just read from the Japan Times here. Oh, great. The rattle of tiny plastic wheels echoed through the normally sleepy streets of Hanyu, Saitama Prefecture. Thank you. On Sunday morning great as prefecture. the small city, about 60 kilometers, parentheses, 37 miles. Thank you. North of Tokyo played host to the Japan Office Chair Issue 1 Grand Prix. Oh my god. Is this what, what was that video game called? Where you, where you went downhill in an office chair? Do you remember uh, that? Was that... Uh, what was that called? Rob, do you remember this? No. Oh my god. Are you talking about... I'll, um, I'll look it up. You go. Um, work Time Fun. Work Is it Work Time Fun? I think you're right. It's a video Founded game. Founded 10 years ago and inspired by Formula One and Le Mans group, uh, endurance racing. Oh my god. The race sees teams of three battle it out on an, or, on ordinary office furniture across two grueling hours to see who can complete the most laps of the 200 meter course. Oh my course. god. There's a video. Wait, the most laps? Not, oh, it's called Kung Fu Rider. <laughs> Kung Fu video Rider. Game? Previously known as Sliders, an action video game for the PlayStation 3. It was made by Japan Studio. This is a first-party Sony video game <laughs> where you ride down hills as a, as a, a, a salary man sitting on the back of an office chair. Uh, it was created by one Tsuyoshi Tahara uh, in Kyoto in 2009. The origin of this race came into my head when I saw a tricycle endurance race. Uh, eventually, I created the race, which we hold on a street, three persons per team for two hours of endurance. Wow. I wanted to create something no one has made before. Achievement unlocked. This looks cool as shit. How long? What was? The, so it's whoever can last the longest. Also, also, How, which chair can last the longest? I would have thought. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> I, like if you're like if my chair held up for this, I would add, like my my company's chair. Like held up for this, I would absolutely like feature that. Oh my god, they should totally. They're doing it on asphalt. Like, right. This is some serious wear and tear, and like like, plastic wheels usually on those things, and plastic like legs. The endurance test has taken its toll on the performance uh, participants, but spirits remained high as tired bodies staggered away from the event. "Quote: I was tricked into doing it," (laughs) joked forty-five-year-old. Satoru Taguchi. Don't ask a 45-year-old co-worker to do that. Who had formed a team with other fathers from his children's school. Aww. My body is really sore. Their reward was retaining the title. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Sunday's winning team, Kitsu, Kitsugawa Unyu, came from Kyoto and had traveled several hours with their chairs for the race. Their <laughs> reward was retaining the title they won last year and a prize of 90 kilograms, parentheses 198 pounds, of local rice, which the drivers struggled to pick up. Such was their fatigue. Oh, my God. Yeah, chairs aren't exactly... You can't exactly throw three of them in the back of your car. Apparently, this goes on all over the place. Because the next Issue 1 Grand Prix takes place in Awate Prefecture next month. Next month? Yep. I guess these are the regionals, are they? They go around (laughs) the whole place. We're going to state. Every prefecture, baby. That's class. That's beautiful. That was a great, lighthearted story. Almost took the rich energy taste out of my mouth. <laughs> so it's still there. Uh, in our Fantasy League, if you'd like to join our Fantasy League, you can do so um, in the show notes. There's a link there, yeah. as well as the uh, the join code. Um, in first place, steering wheel, hey, hey, give it to me, move, come on. 
followed by the Hamiltons break the system, Mercedes all the way, uh, Alpha emojis, Maka F1, Fry the tires, Whoa. Dragon Ball GT, Blow to the Future Part 3, my personal favorite, uh, Speed Beast, and number 10, Pointless Racing Force. <laughs> they got points. How'd you do? I had Ferrari as my team again, so I'm feeling pretty really? good about it. Um, Leclerc, I think. Yeah. I probably didn't do so hot. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, should we take it to some emails? Sure. Uh, most of them, were, 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 we had a lot of input from people about the uh, Vettel um, uh, Hamilton issue, some of which kind of a little bit early maybe before all the news came out of it. Yep. So, um, And there's a bunch of good stuff I'll, I'll keep for the next week where we're going to Ricard, but I have a couple here. Uh, Will Broom says, uh, this is more of a technical question, which we actually got another one of these last week, so I might as well address it. Hey guys, this weekend was obviously crazy, but something I noticed that I never thought about was what the back of the grid does once the leaders finish. The Williams and others were two laps or more behind the leaders, but as soon as the leaders finished, do they uh, do their cooldown laps uh, are, and are all sorry the leaders do their cooldown laps and are all over the place do the rest of the pack have to finish their laps or does the race just end um, so the simplest way of uh, uh, explaining this is that once the leader crosses the star finish line then every other racer finishes the lap that they're on at race pace and then slows down yeah so you know if uh, a back marker is not going to get caught by the race leader once the race leader has finished the race because the race leader slows down, so there's enough of a safety gap for everyone else to finish. Yeah, well described. <laughs> uh, also, I got 121 points. Not oh, so bad. God damn it. I, I had Leclerc, Perez, Verstappen, Botas, Raikkonen, and then Racing Point. Not bad. Well, Raikkonen was the only one that was kind of a little bit of a damp script. Yeah, that, he that only got me uh, eight points, bad but I'm in uh, 709th place. Out of how many? Um, <laughs> at, at least yeah, a thousand. Not worry about that. At least a thousand. Yeah. Um, I've a, this is a bit of a, a feedback uh, from our friend Marcel about penalties uh, okay. this sort of discussion we've been having for a couple of weeks about penalties and, and if they're enforced differently to different people obviously with the week that was in it it's uh, another uh, uh, chance to talk about it he said I just wanted to follow up on your discussion on penalties and the frustration around the inconsistency of their severity I think that the problem isn't that the penalties are unevenly distributed uh, but that we as viewers don't really know the specific rule set and uh, also aren't getting an explanation on why the specific penalty was given much like Drew talked about last week one of the commentators on Danish television where I watch F1 being from Denmark uh, is record holder for most Le Mans wins and Danish racing legend Tom Christensen who by chance also doubles as a steward at F1 interestingly he is able to call the penalties beforehand quite consistently uh, when commenting on the race whilst going through a reason, uh, the reasoning behind it which leads me to believe that the problem isn't inconsistency, but rather that we aren't aware of the specific rules and or the criteria for the situation. That being said, I do agree that history and personality is a big part of it as well. Um, I found this interesting just talking about what you're saying with Martin Brundle, the whole fact that like I do feel like the conversation sort of starts with what we hear with the commentators, where it sort mm -hmm. of sets our, I don't know, the, 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 where, where the sort of midpoint is maybe in, in it. And it is always interesting to hear the difference in perspective from people who are, you know, perhaps obviously a Christensen, a driver in his own right, but also now working as a steward against a retired driver like Martin Brundle, who's who always going to... putting on a show. Putting on a show and also, you know, as a driver, always in, in it to win it, right? Sure, I mean, well, Christensen's also a driver. Oh, sorry, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, found, I thought that was interesting that, like, yeah. um, 
perhaps you know uh, uh, I, I guess it goes to Rob's point as well about the sort of the the, the grayness of the rules and how we, we don't really know a lot of the time like even because even in something like soccer with a handball it's open to so much interpretation intent and and the time of even like what time of the you know how much is gone on the game you know yeah. a handball for a penalty in the first 30 seconds feels a lot worse than it does in the 90 second you know yeah and I, I would I'll, you know like I've said before I would love to for them to be able to throw to somebody and say yeah. like what do you think here like who's the who's the guy that they always throw to is it is it Dean Blandino mm-hmm. in the NFL? Is he the rules guy? Or is he just a guy? Whose uh, name so it I depends remember. on whose network you're on. Okay. So, yeah. Right. Uh, I think it's CBS has Dean Blandino, I want to say. Or it might be... Yeah, I think it's CBS. And then Fox has... Um, oh, God. The guy who was head of officiating for even longer. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's hard to like, F1 stewards don't exactly, you know, growing trees. Or, you know... Yeah, but you got... I mean, a lot of people have been F1... Because it's rotating, right? Yeah. Like there's, is it four? I'm not clear. Or is it one rotating seat? Do they still do the, the thing where it's a rotating? The fact that we do a podcast and this is still like a, a sign of confusion is really telling. Also, they don't showcase, because they used to say more often, ah, so-and-so is the driver's representative on the stewards. So right. it's like an ex-driver. Yeah, usually. Uh, and they used to showcase that a lot. Yeah. Now, do they still have that program where it's like, okay, well, they so They showed him on the broadcast. Race. Yeah. And he, and this sucks, he caught a lot of, like terrible stuff on Twitter. No, uh, which don't do that. Who did? The driver steward. After this race, particular. Yeah. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you don't. They want to be serving somebody up like that either, necessarily. If you want to send us terrible emails about our opinions, oh, uh, yeah. you can send to shift one podcast at gmail dot com. Um, you can also follow us at shift one podcast on Twitter. Uh, I am Andrew Scanlon. I'm at Daniel Dwyer. At Rob Zachney. Um, and that's all of us around the internet. Do we want to take it around the world? I think it's probably about time that we race around the world. Yeah. This is so great. We've never had a studio audience before. Jeremy over there. I know. Uh, sitting watching. Massive uh, shout out to Noclip producer and uh, Cloth Map um, uh, producer at times right. as well. Yes. Uh, Jeremy Jane, who's been diligently watching the monitor. And now a Shift F1 producer. Yeah, he literally has never watched an F1 in his life, so God knows what the fuck he thought about your Gunter Steiner impression. <laughs> yeah, there's been a lot of weird stuff, I'm sure. Is, is this about soccer? <laughs> yeah, uh, yep, that's right. Uh, it's about the World Rally Championship, which is going on uh, in Alghero, which is in Italia. That's, that's how I we know pronounce that because it. Because it's called the Rally Italia Sardinia here on my calendar. Ooh, um, by the way, all this stuff, you can uh, go to too much racing.com, I is think. Is that too, number two? No, T O O. Okay. Uh, which is where I get all these, or it's where I got all the calendar things and put them all into one Google oh, calendar. Cool. So this is how I do this. Well, you tell us your secret sauce. Add them to your own. It's been fucking five years and he's finally taught me how he did that. I know. Uh, the World Endurance Championship is at uh, Le Mans. For, guess what? The 24 Hours of Le Mans. Oh, it's on. Right. this weekend. Nice. Uh, Unstoppable Van Dorn is racing in it. Among many other people. Unstoppable. Unstoppable. Mm. Uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Gander Mountain Trucks. They're back. Great. Where they're are at we going? the Iowa Speedway for uh, round 10. What prefecture is that in? <laughs> um, oh, you know what? This does not have uh, the name of the race here. So I'm going <gasps> to open up. We need to know. Uh, the NASCAR. We need to know where those Gander Mountain trucks are going. As we have baptized them ourselves. Oh, 
I'm glad I looked it up because it's the M&M's 200, everybody. Fantastic. Great. Is that peanut or chocolate? Uh, they just look like the standard ones. I love a peanut M&M. Yeah, they're so good. Supercars. They're at the Hidden Valley Motorsports Complex. Him Valley? At uh, 171 Hidden Valley Road, Hidden, oh, Hidden Valley. Valley. I thought you meant Him Valley. And then I was going to be like, is it him like singing or him like that band that Bam Margera's friend was in? Mm, no, just it's Hidden Valley, but they give okay. the address, so it's... <laughs> Not much of a mystery anymore. Uh, they're racing in the Easy Bet Darwin Triple Crown. Easy Bet. Yeah. Anyone could do it. Why don't you just bet? Uh, I haven't watched any supercars this season. I've been watching yeah. a lot of MotoGP, though. MotoGP is pretty good this year. Um, then on uh, Father's Day, we got MotoGP. They're at the, uh, the Circuit de Barcelona, Catalonia, or Catalonia, Barcelona, as it is written here, for the Grand Premi Monster Energy de Catalonia. On the F1 track, on the F1 trend. setup. Uh, MXGP, that's Motocross Grand Prix, mm. they're in Latvia for the MXGP of Latvia. Uh, NHRA, they're at the Bristol Dragway in Bristol, Tennessee for the Thunder Valley Nationals. Yeah, World Rally Car Championship, or I'm sorry, the World Rally Cross Championship mm. uh, is in hell, Norway, <laughs> for the World Rally Cross of Norway. Valhalla. Um, and you my calculations. Are you telling me there's no NASCAR this week? Are Drew? correct. Is there no NASCAR, Drew? Oh, there's kind of NASCAR. There's only the Xfinity series. Okay. Which is like NASCAR Junior. It's like yeah, I miss the lizard though. Uh oh my God, <laughs> this just in. They're also at the Iowa Speed Hundred, but breaking news. There are still Circuit Cities, because it's the Circuit <laughs> City 250, powered by Tamron. Is, is this, oh, have they like, have they like resurfaced Circuit City as, as like a, Circuit City as like a, an online? I have no godly idea. Tamron. I feel like I've Googled Tamron before. I feel like it's like a, oh yeah, it's this website that just, remember it's the website that just, it's like Amazon for car parts. Right? Is that it? Why is Circuit City there? Oh, wait, no. These aren't car parts. These are camera parts. I'm confused. They sell lenses? Yeah, isn't Tamron a lens company? Oh, it's a lens company? I believe so. Jeremy should be on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, lens really company. Should. Yeah. Powered by lens company? Seems... Okay. That's there not are circuits qu- and cameras? Let's not question it. No. Just, just, just watch your NASCAR. Don't ask questions. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash shiftf1. And get access to all the weird stuff we mentioned at the top of the show. Yeah. There's beer tastings on there now. An incredibly They're highly produced soon. beer tasting video, let's say. Yes. Overly yeah. produced. What have we got? 8K, 12K? What are we working with over there? IMAX. <laughs> <laughs> See, okay. Great. 70 millimeter beer tastings. Shot it in 120. It's a very long video. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then um, we got uh, next week we'll be talking about France. Yeah. Circuit to Paul Ricard. <laughs> Rob said he wanted more runoff, so. Well. <laughs> Here's a go-kart track for you. That's kind of how it feels. That's maybe not what I had in mind. I also <laughs> was just more room overall and less. The runoff has that weird stuff on it that slows your car down a lot, which somehow works, but it doesn't seem like it should, but it works. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got weird stuff inside of me after that drink test. So yeah. um, I'm going to have to say goodnight here from Los Angeles. Thank you, uh, everyone, for listening, and thank you guys for 
joining me here. It's a pleasure. Um, I mean, bringing <laughs> it together during your busy E3 weeks. Absolutely. You say it as if you're the one staying in this place and kicking me out. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for coming. See you later. Uh, thank you to Jeremy for helping us out this week. Absolutely. Thanks, Jeremy. Good guy. Uh, and uh, I hope everyone has a good race weekend. We will see you all next week. Meow.